And we all are thankful for the cross tonight. It's so true. Were it, not, were it not for His grace, I don't know where I would be here. I definitely don't think I'd be here tonight. That's why I quote mostly every time I can remember 1 Corinthians 15.10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Love that. If it were not for the grace of God, if it were not for the cross, we'd all be lost. And I'm going to talk about, a little bit about that here tonight. But if you would, please go ahead and open up your Bibles to the book of First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians chapter number 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. And once again, I just want to take the opportunity to encourage many of you who are following the will of God to continue doing that. I always would like to give the glory back to God and uh, make it known that I, I, I still can't get over the fact that I'm doing this. And uh, every time I get up to preach, I always say it, but God has a sense of humor because if you only knew how shy I was, little Reuben, little Reuben, if you only knew, I would miss school because I didn't want to do a project that would be in front of the class. I mean, I'll tell you what. And God just had a sense of humor. He's like, I'm going to make you a teacher now. I'm going to make you talk in front of people. I said, really? But here it is. And it's, but I, I tell you what, there's no regrets. Not a single thing that God has brought me through so many things that I give the glory always back to him. When First Thess- Thessalonians chapter number four, we're going to begin reading in verse number 13. First Thessalonians chapter number four, verse number 13. If you're there, say amen. amen. All right, cool. Y'all are fast. Let's look at verse number 13. We're going to read down to verse number 18, the end of the chapter. We'll pray one last time, and then I'll speak what I believe God would have for me to speak to you all tonight. Verse number 13, chapter number 4, says this, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you once again for the opportunity just to be here tonight. I'm so thankful for the cross, Lord, that you chose to die on, and you took that with joy. Lord, it's unbelievable that you would go through that with joy. But you did because you had so much love for me and so much love for each and every single individual represented here in this room. Father, we're thankful for the hope now that we have as Christians. And Lord, you know the times that we live in. But I just pray that tonight, what you spoke to in my heart, that you would just use me to speak it clearly, to reflect on. And that would be an encouragement for every Christian here in this room. And Lord, if there is somebody in this room who by the end of tonight, after they hear this message, does not have the hope that we're going to be talking about here tonight, Father, please, Lord, we beg that you do not let them leave without getting that right. Lord, we want to see souls saved and 
We know you want to see souls saved, so I just pray that your Holy Spirit would convict for us Christians that you would show us areas that we need to fix. Help us not just to be hearers of the word, but doers as well. And we give you glory for that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, just before I get started here into the main bulk of the message, I do want to give you a little bit of background of 1 Thessalonians. I do want to start off saying this, is that Thessalonians is, of course, a book that was written to those believers, specifically in Thessalonica. Now, just to give you some background here, Paul and Silas went to Thessalonica to preach the gospel, as many of the disciples did. And while he was there, just like in many of the other cities they went to, many people believed on Jesus Christ. Many people got saved. But unfortunately, even though many people got saved, the Bible still teaches that there are many people who did not get saved. And the Bible says that these Jews who did not get saved started accusing Paul and Silas of treasonous ideas because Paul and Silas would preach of another king who is not Caesar. Paul and Silas would preach King Jesus. Yeshua is what they would preach. And that went against the Roman Empire, of course, the Roman rule and Caesar. And so those Jewish people were so angry with what Paul and Silas were doing that they made an uproar. They stirred up other Jews who were in the city and they drove out Paul and Silas so that they can stop the gospel from spreading anymore. That's what their goal was. Well, they succeeded for a little bit. And you know what's crazy is that Paul and Silas, the Bible says that they went out by night and they went to Berea. And the Bible says that Berea was about 50 miles west of Thessalonica. You know what, Paul, the Bible says, you can read this in Acts chapter number 17. The Bible says that when Paul went to Thessalonica and then when he went to Berea, as his manner was, he did the same thing. He didn't stop. As soon as he went to Berea, the Bible says he went straight into the synagogues there, preached the gospel, and then guess what? Many people believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, of course, I mean, they didn't have cell phones back then. They didn't call each other up. But word by mouth came to the Jewish people in Thessalonica. All these Jewish people who were angry at what Paul did, after they heard that even though Paul was cast out of Thessalonica, and even though he went to Berea, he still preached the gospel. Listen to this. They were so adamant about stopping the spread of the gospel that these angry Jews traveled 50 miles by foot, because remember, they didn't have cars either. They, tra they traveled 50 miles by foot to go all the way to Berea, make another uproar there, stir the people there, and cast out Paul again. This time, Timothy and Silas stayed there. And the Bible says that Paul in Acts chapter, chapter number 17 was pushed out to the sea. Maybe the Aegean Sea that was maybe close by there, south of Thessalonica of Berea, but he was pushed out. Now, here's the problem. If you read Acts chapter number 17, the Bible says that Paul only was in Thessalonica for about three Sabbaths. Three Sabbaths. Three Saturdays, the Bible says, that Paul was there preaching the gospel and many received Christ as their Savior. But here's the problem. He didn't have the time he desired to have with them. Why would Paul want to be spending time with those new believers in Thessalonica? It's because he wanted them to grow just like we want you to grow here at Central Baptist Church, which is why we opened up the Sunday school here that Mr. Carpenter is going to be preaching, so that you can grow in your faith. And the newborn believers who, des who desire the sincere milk of the word, they, they were looking to Paul as if you would, as a shepherd, 
And it was almost like a sheep scattered when they don't have a leadership, when they, when they don't have preaching. Man, Paul, was, Paul began wondering. You can read the first couple of chapters here, and the Bible says that Paul, it was eating him up. He could not bear not knowing what was going on with these new believers in Thessalonica. Well, unfortunately, the Bible says that the devil himself hindered Paul from going back. So he sent Timothy. He said, Timothy, I cannot stand anymore not knowing what's going on with these new believers. I preached the gospel. So many of them got saved and I was pushed out and I can't go back. And I want to know how they're doing. Is our, is our labor in vain, Timothy? Said, or is, what, is everything we've done in vain? Did all of them give up their faith? Because what happened is that because of these stirrings and these uproars, many of these new believers began being persecuted and many of them even died. So Paul said, Timothy, I need you to go. Timothy went. And when Timothy came back, he had a good report. He said, guess what, Paul? All that labor we did there in Thessalonica, it was not in vain. All those believers there are still following the Lord. They're still meeting in the churches. They're still preaching. They're still doing the breaking of bread fellowship, as we find in Acts chapter number 2. They're still going, Paul. That's great news. That's the best news that I could hear because I hadn't known what was going on with them. So all of our labor was not in vain. But unfortunately, not only did Timothy bring about good news, but he said, Paul, there's also some bad news. <laughs> we didn't get to stay there. We were never able to ground these new believers in their faith. So they're doing a lot of wrong things right now. <laughs> and they don't know any better. They're a little bit ignorant right now, Paul. And so these new believers, when they met Timothy, said, oh, it's Timothy. You guys remember this guy who was persecuted for our sake when he was pushed out from the angry Jewish people here? And so with that in mind, think about this. These new believers who didn't really get to get grounded in their faith had questions, which is normal. <laughs> they had questions. But here's a question they had. Here's one question they had. They brought up the question about the future. They weren't able to, to learn about eschatology, the study of the end time events and what was going to happen. And so as a result of not having enough time to ground these newborn Christians, they had all these questions, but it was mainly about the future. And it was things like this. Paul, what does our future look like now with Christ? Is it any different? Does, is our future look any different than what it was before we were Christians? Before we had Christ? What does our future look like now with Christ? Is it any different? What about our loved ones, Paul, who received Christ before they passed on? What's going on with them? Will we ever see them again? What do we have to look forward to? Can we hope in anything, Paul? Can we hope in anything? Think about that question. And the answer is this, yes. Yes, yes, and yes. There is hope in Christ. They needed this good news because they were under heavy persecution and they needed hope. Does that sound familiar? You and I both know that we live in uncertain times. You and I both know that we live in discouraging times hearing these things that Mr. Osborne brings up and it's like, can it get any worse? Yeah, it will. Evil seducers will wax worse and worse. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. And you and I are on the same boat as these. We may not be exactly maybe newborn believers, but we're believers nonetheless who sometimes get discouraged because of everything going on around us. Christians are being persecuted for their faith. Sin seems to be rampant or flourishing and spreading unchecked everywhere. 
And Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, where people call evil good, good evil. They put darkness for light, light for darkness. They put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. So it's going around today. There's a lot of discouragement today, a lot, especially for Christians and believers. And so Paul wrote these verses here to be an encouragement. And I just want to take a little bit of time here to look at these verses and hopefully not, not only encourage myself as it already has been, but encourage you tonight before you leave, just to think on a couple of things here. And so praise the Lord that Paul had some encouraging answers that, yes, we are hopeful in Christ. And here's what I want you to write down, number one, if you are taking notes. Number one, just some thoughts. What are we hopeful as Christians in? Well, number one, we are hopeful that Christ is coming again because he is alive and ascended and sits on the right hand of God, according to Luke twenty-two sixty-nine. If you would, go to uh, turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. I would like for you to see these passages with me. There's a couple here we'll turn to. But here's some good news. Number one, we, we, we can have hope as Christians. We're hopeful, number one, in that Christ is coming again. Why? Because he is alive. He did resurrect the third day like we just celebrated. He is coming back again and he sits on the right hand of God. I want you to look at this. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Look with me at verse number 1. It says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I have preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also you are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you had believed in vain. Kind of like what Paul was thinking. Verse number 3. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ what does the Bible say? Died for our sins. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. You see, the Bible also says in 2 Peter 1.9 that we can believe in the scriptures. The scriptures testify that he is alive and well. He sits on the right hand of God and he's a risen savior. And that's according to the scriptures. That's what the Bible says, that our Savior is alive and well, sitting on the right hand of God. You know, the Bible talks about in the book of Psalms how that many people worship God, but their God has eyes that cannot see, ears that cannot hear, noses that cannot smell, mouths that cannot talk. We don't, we don't pray to a dead God. We serve a living God, a God who is risen again. And that's encouraging. And because He's alive, we'll look at more verses this is how he can come back again. Go to John chapter number 14. John chapter number 14. Many of you are familiar with this passage here, but John chapter number 14, as we continue the thought of life after death, Jesus Christ coming back again. And we <laughs> y'all just sang the song in the choir, and it's just really encouraging. And it really is to think about a mansion that God is preparing for you and I. But look with me at John chapter number 14. Verse number one, this is what the Bible says, and it came to pass, or I'm in Luke, sorry. John chapter number 14 and verse number one, it says, let not your heart be troubled. In other words, there's hope. There's the idea again. Let not your heart be troubled, church. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare, prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, 
I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also, and whither I go ye you know, and the way ye you know. And Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Amen. And the Bible says here, there's hope. Don't let your heart be troubled by what you see going around you. I need to remind you, I'm coming again. Now here's a question the Bible says. If you look at verse number three, it says, and the next three words, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. So you know what we want as Christians? We want Jesus to go. Good news, he went. Jesus is gone. You know what that means? He's going to come again. That's a promise being fulfilled here. He's coming again. And this is what Paul was trying to tell these guys here about their future. Jesus Christ is coming again. You, you are alive in Jesus Christ. There is life after death. He's going to receive you into himself. There is hope. And he said, if it were not so, I love this part. If it were not so, I would have told you. If that were not true, church, I would have let you know that it were not true. But it is true. So therefore, I let you know. This is so important that I included it in the Bible because we know that there'd be no book in the world that would contain all the things that Jesus Christ did on this world. But he loved us so much, he knew we were going to be discouraged, so he decided to put this one right there in John chapter number 14. Let not your heart be troubled. If that weren't true, I would have told you. If I go, I'm going to come again. And he's gone. The Bible says he's sitting on the right hand of God. He is gone. Great news. He went, and that means he's coming again. Go to Acts chapter number 1. Acts chapter number 1. All, all thoughts and ideas speaking about how Jesus Christ is coming back again for you and me. And this is exactly, and we'll go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. But look at these verses here. Look at Acts chapter number 1 and verse number 1. I'll read a couple here. It says, the former treaties have I made, Acts chapter number 1 and verse number 1. The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive. He showed himself alive. He's alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Skip down to verse number 7. And he, sent, and he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put into his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had spoken, Jesus these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And of course, as they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, in verse number 10, two men stood by them in white apparel. Verse 11, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye, why stand ye here gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was crucified. Not some different God, not some different, the very same Jesus that you beheld crucified. This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. And this is the doctrine that these new believers in Thessalonica were wondering about. Is there life after death? 
What's going to happen to us? What's our future looking like? And this is what Paul decides to tell him. Why? Because at the end of there, in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, he says, comfort one another with these words because this is encouraging. Yes, we got so many different circumstances going on, but the king that Paul and Silas preached about is coming again. The Lord of Lords is coming again. We don't need to be discouraged. (laughs) He's coming again, and he's going to fulfill his will on this earth. And how do we know? Because Scripture tells us he's alive. Scripture has proven he's alive. And the Bible says that over 500 people saw him at once. At once, over 500 people, let alone, the Bible says, the disciples, the apostles, and others who saw him, and then Paul on the road to Damascus. He is alive, church at Thessalonica. And because he is alive, and because he went, he's coming back for you and me. It's encouraging news. He's coming back. He hasn't left us to our own. As some, as some theologists teach out there, that God just simply created the world and left it kind of like a ticking bomb. He just created us and he left us. All right, guys, you're on. No, that's not, our, that's not the God we serve. He's very involved with our lives. He cares for us. And he didn't leave us without hope. He knew. Before he left, the Bible even teaches that Jesus Christ even prayed for you and me because he knew how hard it was going to be for you and me. He knew this moment, church, think about this. He knew this moment that all of us would be sitting here and some of the discouragements we'd have in, in our minds right now because of what we see going all, all around us. He knew some of us would be sitting here discouraged and thinking, man, what's going on with this country? What's going on with this world? Is this how it's going to be forever? It's not. Why? Because Jesus Christ is alive and he's coming again. Even so, Lord, come quickly. Even so. That's the prayer, is it not? Come quickly. The Lord is the avenger. The Lord is the avenger. We don't have to worry about these things. We need to focus on what his will is for our life. And I'll finish off on something about that thought. But I'm so thankful that you and I, we serve a risen Savior. Because he is alive, he's coming back for us. There is life after death. He conquered physical death. We will have a physical resurrection. Now, here's the problem. And you don't have to turn back there, but in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, you can read the rest of that chapter there. And I say the same question to us people here in church. And I know maybe we don't doubt it, but it's a good question. How say some among us that there is no resurrection of the dead? How say some, some among us that there is no resurrection? Are we that discouraged? But if you keep reading verse number 20, it says, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. And the Bible says we know, we know, church, if you read 1 Corinthians 15, that if there is anybody in the world that would be most miserable, it would be us if Christ was not risen. Most miserable, the Bible says. Because my preaching right now is in vain. My faith is vain. I'm still in my sin, thinking that I have a home in heaven when I really don't. But now is Christ risen. That's encouraging news. Life after death. His resurrection and ascension will guarantee that he's coming again for you and me. And number two, we're hopeful in that we will see others who have passed on before us again. Go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. So number one, we're encouraged, we're hopeful in Christ because he's coming again, because he is alive and he's ascended and he sits on the right hand of God. And number two, we're hopeful in that we will see others who have passed on before us again. Because that was one of the questions of these Thessalonians. 
What happened to our loved ones that may have been persecuted here from these angry Jews that have passed on who received Christ? What's going on with them? Well, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And the Bible says to die is gain. It's a good thing. Church, I don't have to tell you, and I don't have to make a list, but I know of a lot of people right now who have passed on recently. And it gets me emotional thinking about this part. But we've lost a lot of people in this church. Just like that. So quick and so sudden. We're going to see them again. Amen. We're going to see them again. We're hopeful in Christ that these who have passed on before us, we're going to see them again. Now, here's what I want to focus on. Look at verse number 17. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17, it says, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with, what? Them. Here's a thought. Who's them? Who is them? The Bible says, you believers, you will be caught up together one day with them. Who's them? Just give me a few moments here and I want to teach you. Who are these people referred to as them? Because I want to be part of that group, don't you? I want to be part of the them group that's going to be meeting the Lord in the air. These are the Romans 10, 9 people. Right here, you find in 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, the them. These are the Romans 10, 9 people who confessed with their mouth and believed in the heart the Lord Jesus and repented from their sin. These are the Ephesians 1, 7 people who received redemption through Christ's blood, the forgiveness of sins according to to the riches of his grace. These them, these are the people of Luke 5.31 who recognize their sin sickness and need for a great physician. These people, this them in 1 Thessalonians 4.17 are Matthew 16.25 people who lost their life for Christ's sake and found it. These are Matthew 7.13 to 14 and John 10, 7 through 9. You can look all these up if you want or write these down. These them people are the people who found the straight and narrow path and entered in. Those who entered by the door, who took the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus Christ. These are the John 8, 31 people who continued in the word. These are the Luke 9, 23 people who denied themselves, took up their cross daily, and followed Jesus. These are the Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 people who believed in salvation by grace through faith in Jesus alone, not of works, lest any man should boast. These are the Hebrews 11, 13 people who all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. That's who these people are right here that we find. That's who these. And I can also tell you, unfortunately, who these people aren't. This group here we find we're going to be reunited with them these are not the Mark 8.36 people who gained the world and lost their soul. These are not the Acts 7.51 people who always resist the Holy Ghost. These are not the James 4.4 people who made their friendship with the world and became enemies of God. These are not the John 10.1 people who tried to break into heaven by their good works and became known as thieves and robbers. And these are definitely not the Matthew 7, 21 through 23 people who depended on their good works to get them to heaven. That's not them right here that we find. It's the opposite. Let me ask you this question. What group do you fall in there? Are you those who, fully tr who wholly trusted in the Lord? Fully? Or are you the second group I talked about who wholly trusted 
in yourself. Because if you're trusting in yourself and your good works or anything other than Jesus Christ, you're not going to be them, and you're not going to be part of that group that's going to be coming up to meet them either. Think about that. Number three, and lastly, we're hopeful in that we would be with the Lord forever. Number three, and lastly, we're hopeful in that we will be with the Lord forever. Here's what's interesting is that Paul was answering the question and encouraging those in Thessalonica about our loved ones who passed on before us, but he didn't make them the focus. Think about this for a second. Look at verse number 17. We're almost done. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17. It says, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. Now pause for a second. Remember, Paul is trying to answer the questions here of these Thessalonians who were wondering about their loved ones. Because that was their primary focus, was it not? What is going on with those who have passed on, who received Christ as their Savior? This is our primary focus. We want to know what's going on with them. So you would think that Paul, when he wrote, would take time to write about them, the them. Take time to write about what's going on with them or where they are, how it's going. But no, that's not what he does. All he says is that we're going to be caught up together with them in the clouds, and he doesn't mention him again. Why? Because, keep reading here, it says... We're going to be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Amen. And notice he didn't say, and so shall we ever be with them. Because remember, that's what they're wanting. I want to be with them. That was their focus. What's going on with them, my loved ones? He didn't say, and so shall we ever be with them. That's not what he said. He said, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Let's get our focus back to where it should be. He's teaching these guys here. Hey. I know you miss your loved ones, and I know that you want to see them again, and you will. But the one person you should be looking forward to meeting is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going to be with Him forever. Isn't that what's going to matter most? I'm, I mean, I'm going to, I have a cousin who's passed on, who, who, who I had Thanksgiving with, and he died just about a week later, and it hurt me. But he received Christ the day before he died, and I'm going to meet Him. But... Even better is I'm going to meet the Lord. I'm going to be with Him forevermore. He's the one that's going to be satisfying forever. Go to Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. We are going to be meeting the Lord. He is the primary focus. Revelation chapter 21, verse number 1. It says, Revelation chapter 21, and verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a First earth were passed away, or, and I saw a new heaven and the new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them. See that? God himself shall be with them them and be their God and God shall praise the Lord wipe away all tears from their eyes there shall be no more death neither sorrow nor crying neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away verse 22 and I saw no temple therein for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it and the city had no need of the sun neither of the moon to shine in it for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. All things we look forward to is to meet the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. 
I love a song that talks about the only man-made thing that will be made in heaven is going to be the scars found in the hand of Jesus. But I'm so thankful, church. We have a hope. Here's the conclusion here. Just some thoughts that I know God speaks to me about. Is As a result now of knowing all these truths and teaching these truths here to these, church, these people in Thessalonica, number one, I'm not going to let the things of this world bring me down. Number one, I'm not going to be discouraged by what I see around me because I know I'm on the winning side. I know my King of Kings is alive and he's coming back again. I'm not going to be discouraged. Now is the time not to be discouraged. Now is the time to be most joyful so that we can draw in people to the gospel. Because if we just show people how depressed we are as Christians, they're never going to come to the glorious light of the gospel. Because say, if that's what Christianity is all about, I want nothing to do with it. But we need to be smiling, be encouraged, because our King of kings and Lord of lords is alive. According to the scriptures, we have a more sure word of prophecy, and he's coming back again. Number two, I plan to, or number one, I plan not to let the things of this world bring me down. Number two, I plan to tell others now of the hope that I have. Isn't that what the Bible says? I have hope, now I share the hope. Because church, people are, you, you and I are not the only discouraged ones. But here's the difference, is as believers, we have hope, and as unbelievers outside of the walls of these churches, they don't have hope. You can read it again in 1 Thessalonians 4. We sorrow as those that have no hope. We don't sorrow as those that have no hope, the Bible says. We have hope. Let's share the hope now with this world who needs it. And number three, I plan to focus on my present and not worry about my future, because I know who holds tomorrow. Think about this. Don't be so consumed and anxious about the future that you neglect the present. Don't don't be so consumed and anxious about the future that you neglect the present. God holds our tomorrow. It's secure. I'm not going to take no thought about tomorrow. I'm going to worry, not necessarily in an anxious way, but I'm going to make sure I'm focused on my today. Because I know who holds tomorrow. Where are we at, church, with that? Let's pray.